Good afternoon. It's great to be with you guys this afternoon. Um, thankful for the opportunity to stand in front of you and to talk about God's Word. Um, thankful for the opportunity to be here, for Kyle, for asking me to do this, um, and for all of you all being willing to listen to me. Um, it is such a blessing as a young person to have this opportunity um, and opportunities like this. Um, my name is Luke, like was announced. I'm from Lawrenceburg. I worship at Overland um, Church of Christ. Um, this afternoon, if you'd like to, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3, that's where we're going to be spending uh, the majority of our time this afternoon. So, I'll start out by telling you that at a couple, a couple weeks ago, earlier in the summer, I was at a camp. Um, it, was, it was a camp that was mostly focused on Bible study. So while we were at this camp, um, the theme of the week was Nehemiah. So we were studying through the book of Nehemiah, and we had studied through chapters 1 and 2, and then we got to chapter 3, and we skipped over chapter 3 and went directly to chapter 4. I was kind of disappointed about that, because chapter 3 in Nehemiah happens to be one of my favorite chapters of the book. Now, of course, at camp, it wasn't really the place to get into this. Um, and if you just glance down at your Bible and look at Nehemiah chapter 3, you might understand why that is. Nehemiah chapter 3 is a chapter that's filled with names. That's the majority of the chapter. It's just a bunch of names and a bunch of people that did stuff. So at camp, we didn't really get into that. And I was disappointed about that. But instead of just being disappointed, I decided what I would do is I would prepare a sermon, I would study it for myself, and then I would hopefully have an opportunity to present that. So I guess you could say that this morning, it's a par- or this afternoon, is partially selfish. It's a sermon that I wanted to study and present, <clears throat> and I learned a lot from it. And hopefully you guys will learn something from this as well. So first, let's think about the context of this chapter. Um, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He was a cupbearer for the king while he was in captivity. And he wanted to return so he could rebuild the wall. He wanted to get back to work. So what he does is he asks the king if he would be able to do that. And so he gets permission. He gets the resources. So he's going to have this opportunity to return and build the wall. So we see him in chapter 2. He kind of makes a scouting mission of what he's going to be up against. So let's read a couple verses in chapter 2, and it will kind of set the scene for what we're going to see in chapter 3. So read with me in Nehemiah chapter 2, starting in verse 17. Then I said to them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and that the gates are burned with fire? Come, and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words, which he had spoken to me. So they said, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to do this good work. So in these two verses, we see Nehemiah speaking to his brethren. He goes to them and he says, I know it's in a bad spot. I know that the wall has been burned down. The gates have been burned. But guess what? We have a chance to do something about it. But then we see in verse 19 that there's opposition to this rebuilding. Let's read verse 19. But when Sanballat the Hornite, Tobiah the Ammonite, official, and Gezem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So there's opposition. There's these three people that are against it. They're saying, You're not going to be able to do it. You're going to be against the king if you do it. But then we see Nehemiah come back to them with an answer. Verse 20. So I answered them and said, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. 
but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So he says, no matter what opposition, we're going to do this. We're going to rise up and build. And Nehemiah chapter 3 is what shows us that they were really willing to rise up and build. Verse 17 is where they said that. Let us rise up and build this wall. Nehemiah chapter 3 is where we see them doing this. And that's exactly what they did. And that's why chapter 3 of Nehemiah is so important to us. We know from chapter 6 of Nehemiah that they built this wall in 52 days. They accomplished their task in a short period of time. So even though it's just a chapter full of names, there's a lot that we can learn from it. We learn about the people's dedication, their determination to get this wall built. So let's dig into the chapter um, and let's see what we can learn from it. The first thing, the people building the wall did it together. They were together in this effort. They weren't separated. To illustrate this, look at just the first couple verses of the chapter. In chapter 3, verses 2 through 10, and even through verse 12, there's this phrase used, next to. We see these people building the names, or building the wall, and it's a bunch of names, but they're next to each other. They're all connected. They were side by side. They weren't building it in a disconnected way, but they were building it together. And think about the strength that you gain. Think about these people building the wall. So you're out there, you're day after day working on this wall, but yet you have your brethren right next to you. You're going to gain strength when you look around and you see people working for the exact same effort that you are. You're going to get strength to press on, encouragement to press on. And think about the practical benefit. When you have people for the same project working right next to each other, they can borrow equipment, they can share ideas, they can help each other even in a practical, physical way to get this wall built. So they were next to each other building this. This was more than just being friendly. This was more than just seeing your brethren maybe once or twice a week, being friendly and maybe having a good relationship. That's important, don't get me wrong. But this was a daily thing. This was people working on a hard project day after day. And when you're working with someone in that hard of an area, you're going to see the weak points and also the strong points. When you're working right next to someone on the wall, you're going to see where they fail. You're going to see where they succeed. You're going to see both just as plainly with the people that are standing right next to you. There's no hiding struggles about what you're dealing with. You can't hide the struggles in your section of the wall. If there was somebody right next to another section, then they could look at that and they could say, well, that person, they have a hole in their section of the wall. Or the person on the other side of me, They're not near as high as we are on our section of the wall yet. So it would have been really easy to see the weak points and the strong points. But when you see the weak points and the strong points, then we can help each other with that. They could go over and they could offer help. So when they were building the wall, they were next to each other. And I think we today as God's people can benefit from the exact same thing. Maybe we don't see each other every day like these people did. Maybe we're not right next to each other while we're working. So maybe we don't see each other in all our high points and our low points. But why would we hide our struggles from our brethren? The brethren in Nehemiah's day, they couldn't have hidden their struggles from each other. So why would we want to do that? The people next to you are the ones that can see where you need help. The people next to you are the ones that will offer the best advice in how to fix the struggles that you have. And they're the ones that are going to need help eventually. 
the ones right next to you are the ones that are going to need help themselves at some point. James chapter 5, we're told to confess our faults one to another and to pray for each other. That's a command that's given to us. But more than just a command, it's something that we should want to do. We should want to be sharing our struggles with each other because of the help that we can gain from that. And when we confess our faults to each other, I think often we think of this as some deep shameful thing. To confess our thoughts to one another, I think we sometimes have this opinion that it has to be something deep that we've been struggling with for years before we confess it to somebody. But that's not the truth at all. When we confess our faults to one another, it can be simply going up to someone and saying, look, I'm not good at this. I need to work on this. That's confessing faults that we have. And those brethren are going to react and they are going to help you with that. They're going to want to help you so you can get over those faults. So we can help each other with that. So the people, the workers working on the wall, they gain strength from being next to each other. And we also can do the same thing. We can gain strength from working side by side. So the people in Nehemiah's day, they did it together. They built the wall together. The next thing, the workers in Nehemiah's day didn't care about experience. While they were working on the wall, they didn't care about experience that people might have had. We see there's a certain kind of people working on the wall. Look in your Bibles at Nehemiah chapter 3 and verse 8. It says, Next to him, Uziel the son of Hariah, one of the goldsmiths, made repairs. Also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. And they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Why would you pick goldsmiths and perfumers to be working on a wall? Those aren't exactly the best kind of people to be working on a construction project, we would think. These aren't people that were used to construction. Their line of work was a much more tedious job, a much more inside, less physically demanding job. But they were needed. These people were needed to work on this project, and so they did it. They worked where they could help. They didn't just stick to their area of expertise. They were willing to push themselves in order to get this wall built. We see the same thing, or we see Moses as perhaps a bad example of this. Moses wasn't experienced as a leader. So when God came to Moses and asked Moses to lead, Moses tried to use inexperience as an excuse. Let's turn over there and look at that. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Thinking about Moses not having experience and trying to hide behind that. Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 10. Um, God speaking here says, Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses says, Who am I? Why should I be doing this? Turn over to Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they do not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Skipping down to verse 10 of the same chapter. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Moses didn't have this experience, and so he tried to hide behind it as an excuse. But think about what Moses accomplished. When Moses was willing to put his inexperience aside and let let the Lord work through him, he was able to accomplish so much. Moses is an effective leader, and we look to his example today as an effective leader. Just even though, his, even though he didn't have much experience in this area, he was willing to put that behind him and help the Lord and help God's people where they needed help. And then we see these people in Nehemiah's day that didn't have much experience, 
But there was much accomplished by these incapable people. We read this already, but Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 8, in the end of the verse, it points out that they were effective at what they did. They accomplished the job that they had. It says that they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Even though these people didn't have the most experience, they still fortified Jerusalem. They still got the purpose done that they were there for. So much was accomplished by incapable people because they didn't care about experience. They were able to push past that and still work for God in whatever way they could. So the people in Nehemiah's day worked together and they didn't care about experience. And they also didn't care about position. They didn't care about different positions that members of these people had. Notice the position of some of these workers. Just kind of look down through the chapter. Um, In verse 1, it mentions the high priest being the first one to set the example in this way. Look at verses 9 and verse 12. It talks about leaders of half the district of Jerusalem. Look at verse 17. It mentions Levites that are working on the wall. Uh, Notice verse 22. It mentions some priests. And then verse 28 also mentions priests working on the wall. And these people aren't just mentioned as delegating work. They aren't mentioned as going around and making sure the people were working. These leaders, these priests, this high priest, they were out there working on the wall. They were mentioned as working, not just delegating the work. And think about the example in that. When leaders are willing to get out of their houses and get out of their position, and they're willing to be there working with the people, that is a fantastic example to all of the other workers that would have been there. And we, of course, have a great example of this today in the New Testament. Jesus is the best example of this to us. Turn over to John chapter 13. There's a a very familiar story pictured in John chapter 13 of Jesus not caring about his position, but still being a servant. And if we think about Jesus, he came to this earth as a man. He was God, but yet he humbled himself to live in this human body. John chapter 13, we see him taking that to an extreme as a servant. Start start with me in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. Jesus got up, he put a towel on, he took water, and he washed their feet. Jesus, as God, came and did that for his disciples. Jesus didn't care about his position. Jesus didn't care about how people might have viewed him. Jesus served. And he is an excellent example to that of us. What mattered was his example and his teaching. It didn't matter what his position was. And the people in Nehemiah's day had the same attitude. They put their position aside and they worked for the Lord. So the people in Nehemiah's day... They worked together, they didn't care about experience, they didn't care about position, and they started at home. That's the next point I want to make from Nehemiah chapter 3. The people started at home. Uh, Look at Nehemiah chapter 3 again, um, and look at a couple verses here with me. Look at verse 10. It mentions a man that made repairs in front of his own house. Also look at verse 23. Uh, We see another man making repairs opposite their house. Uh, Verses 28 through 30 mention several other people making repairs either in front of their house or opposite their house. 
So why does it matter that these people started at their house? Why is the record given to us that they started at home? Why, what's necessary in mentioning that? And I think that there are several points that we can gain from the people starting at home. Uh, the first thing, it was practical. It was close to them, and that kept it practical. Um, these people, if they started at home, they weren't trying to wander off and show someone else how to do their job. Uh, they weren't trying to go around and teach other people how to do the work. They were starting at their own house. They were starting running right in front of their home where they could get the most done without having to travel far, without having to involve others. They were starting at home. So it was a practical thing. But then even more than that, it was close to them emotionally. In doing this work in front of their own house, what they're doing is they're ensuring that they're going to have strong protection in front of their house. So a wall is fortifying a city, right? So think about enemies coming in and putting siege on the city. The first place they're going to break through is the weakest point of the wall. So when you're working in front of your own house, how well do you think you're going to build that section of the wall? Pretty strong, right? You don't want your section of the wall to get broken into and your house be the first house that your enemies go into. So these people, when they were starting at home, it was an emotional connection to them. They would have thought about their family's safety as they're working. They would have thought about their wife as they're building this wall. They would have thought about their kids as they're building this wall right in front of their house. It was close to them emotionally. And if we can't work hard to protect something that means a lot to us, how are we going to care about something that we don't value? If we don't start with caring about our own home and something that's close to our heart, how are we going to take that a step further and care about strangers that we don't even know? We have to start at home. We have to start close. And that's the value in it. So think about our service in God's kingdom. We also have to start with something close. When we're thinking about building our service in God's kingdom, we have to start with something we have a talent in. And we can think about this in a very practical way. If you're already good at working on cars, but you want to perhaps get to where you can teach about working on cars, you realize you're going to have to start with something you're already good at. You're going to have to work and learn more and more about fixing cars before you can teach others how to work on cars. It's a simple process that we're used to in so many other things. We have to start where we're effective and grow from there. If you're an effective in the Lord's Church as a song leader, then that's fantastic. Grow that ability. Use that ability in whatever way you can. But we can also get outside that and we can push ourselves and we can branch out a little bit further. Start with something we're close to and then go to giving a Wednesday night talk. Getting up and speaking in front of people. Use the talents you have and grow the talents that you don't have. We all have ways that we can serve God and we can all start with something that we're good at and grow from there. Another thing, when they started at home, it meant involving the kids. When you start with your own house and start working on your own home, it's going to mean you involve the kids. Look at, look at verse 12 of chapter 3. That's kind of where we see that painted. It says, And next to him, Shalom the son of Heloshia, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, he and his daughters made repairs. We see this man out there working, and it says his daughters were working with him. Now when you're involving your kids in a project like this, it could have been dangerous. But the kids could be a lot of help. Not only do they learn practically how to build the wall, not only do they learn about how to grow themselves, but they can be helpful. The kids can be assets in building. 
And I'm giving, I'm talking about this as a kid. So from my perspective, I'm thankful for my parents and I'm thankful for other adults that have involved me. I'm so thankful for people that have asked me to do stuff like this. I'm so thankful for people that have asked me to push myself. And because they were willing to start at home, that meant that I got involved. And so we can do the same thing. Even me, as a young person, I can reach down to people younger than me and I can involve them. It's a, it's a powerful way that we can teach and a powerful way that we can help. So the people in Nehemiah's day, they worked together. They didn't care about our experience or position, and they started at home. The next thing, the people in Nehemiah chapter 3, they went above and beyond. They pushed it further than they had to. We see several people in the chapter that performed what I like to call double duty. We see them mentioned twice in the chapter as working on a section of the wall. Uh, look with me at verse 4. <clears throat> it mentions this man named Merimoth, the son of Uriah. And then look at verse 21. After him, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Koz, repaired another section. He's working on another section. He finished where he was working, and he moved on to a different section of the wall. Uh, look back at verse 4. We see a man named Meshulam. And then look at verse 30. <clears throat> Once again, we see the same name mentioned. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. We see another man that's mentioned twice in the work. Uh, look at verse 5. We see these Tekoites. It says, Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulder to the work of the Lord. So we see a group of people that they're working on a section of the wall, but yet their noblemen, the ones that are supposed to be the leaders, they aren't putting their effort into the work. They're not pushing themselves to work hard. But what did the Tekoites do? Look at verse 27. After them, the Tekoites repaired another section. Even though there were these weights holding them down, even though their rulers and their leaders weren't putting their effort into it, these people still worked on two different sections of the wall. These individuals performed double duty. They went above and beyond. What they did is when they're working on their section of the wall, perhaps they finish and they notice that there's more to be done. So they go and do it. And I think often our tendency, or my tendency, is we, we do what we have to do. We do the bare minimum of what we're required to do. And then we say we're done. Then we call it good. We've done what we have to do. We don't have to push it any further. We've done our duty. That's a good thing. We do need to do our duty. But think about how much better it is when we push it further than that. They could have said that they did their part. They didn't have any further responsibility, but they weren't willing to do that. They weren't willing to do the normal thing. They were looking for these above and beyond, these bonus things that they could do in the work on the wall. And while they're doing this, they're not doing it for others to notice. Do you think they were expecting to get their name put in a book that people would read thousands of years later? That's not why they did it. They did it because the wall needed to be built. And we can have that same attitude today. Do our duty in God's kingdom but then push ourselves further and add something on top of that. Do double duty. Keep on building our work for the Lord. So these individuals, they went above and beyond. So next time you look at Nehemiah chapter 3, next time you read Nehemiah chapter 3, hopefully you don't just see a bunch of names and a, a bad Bible reading that you're going to struggle through. Think about a people that worked. Think about a people that worked together Think about a people that didn't care about experience or position. Think about a people that started at home. And think about a people that worked above and beyond. 
They work double duty. And these are all attributes that these people had while they were working on a wall. But these are attributes that we can put to use in our lives every day as we're trying to serve God. We can start with something small and close that we care about, like we talked about with the people that started at home. Start with something we care about and then grow. And I know I personally, I'm encouraged by these people's attitude in Nehemiah chapter 3. I'm thankful that we have this recorded so we can learn their dedication, their determination to serve God. And I'm encouraged every time I see this chapter and every time I read this chapter. And hopefully, looking at this today has helped you grow in your appreciation for the people that did this. And perhaps it helped you realize that there are areas that you can do better. I know every time I read this chapter, every time I think about these people, I realize I can be doing more. And I realize that I should be pushing myself way harder than I am right now. And hopefully there are some of you here that realize that as well. And perhaps as we go home, we can make these changes. We can make positive changes in our service to God. And if there's someone here tonight that realizes that you haven't been serving God diligently and faithfully, you haven't been putting your all into your service to God, perhaps you've slipped and you've fallen into sin, you've fallen back to those old ways that you've come out of, then tonight is a great night to fix that. It can be a personal thing that you need to pray to God about, that you need to talk to someone and get help. It can be a public thing that you need to confess before God and before the brethren here. And that opportunity is available tonight. There's also an opportunity for anyone that has not submitted themselves to God's will to do that tonight as well by being baptized, being immersed in the waters, and walking a new life with God. And that opportunity is available to anyone as we stand and as we sing.